My name is Richard Walker, and uh, I will be talking about past and future earthquake hazard in Asia. It's a bit of a um, kind of a, well, it's always a, not, not the most uplifting, thank you, not the most uplifting of, of, of subjects to talk about earthquakes, natural disasters. Um, but, but what I want to get over to you really is that, that we are making a lot of advances, at least in saying where areas of, of, of earthquake hazard may lie in terms of present and, and, and in the future. This is quite far from uh, the subject of prediction, which is that we can't really say anything in terms of, of timing. Right? We can say certain areas at risk, but we can't say when those earthquakes will occur. But with education, mitigation effects, good engineering, that, that can actually make a big difference. To start off with, uh, we, we, we've got to kind of move back to, 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 to this uh, level of, 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 of the globe and to talk about the concept of plate tectonics, right? And uh, I think most people will, 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 will know what the plate tectonic theory says. This is this idea in the 1960s that you can explain all of the, the occurrence of earthquakes, volcanoes, motions of the continents. If you think about the Earth's surface, or the outer part of the Earth, being made up of a, of a shell of, of rigid plates, and the rigid thing is the important thing here, that they're all moving relative to one another, right? So all these bits moving around with each other, but the interior of those plates being rigid. They're not deforming. All of the motion between them occurs along their boundaries. And you can see this is kind of true, yeah? This is the middle of the Atlantic, the South Atlantic, North Atlantic. See a very narrow band of earthquakes all the way then down through the, through, uh, through the Southern Oceans and up through the Indian Ocean. Right, so they're defining the edges of the African plate in that case. You do the same for Australia down here. But if we go to continental regions, right, so let's follow that African plate and we go all the <laughs> way around and we enter the northern edge where Africa is colliding with Europe. These are both continental regions. You see it's actually quite different. There's a big mess of earthquakes uh, occurring over a really wide zone. And, it, uh, and we can focus down on, on, on that, that area. Let's, let's look at it. So, so we have three, three, continent, uh, three plates, Africa, Arabia, India. They're colliding with, with something we might call Eurasia, a tectonic plate. But you can't really draw a line between them. Right? This idea of plate tectonics just doesn't really seem to apply in the same way when we're, when we're talking about continents. And in fact, all of these red dots are all earthquakes that have occurred over the last 50 years or so. And they define a zone which is two, even more, 3,000 kilometres wide. Right? So it's this big kind of messy uh, squidge zone, for want of a, a, a better word. So what we might expect within these continental regions is, is, is many earthquakes occurring on many structures, many faults, many lines within the area, which are spread over very, very wide regions. Now that's a bit of a problem for us because these kind of places, these continental regions, are the places where people tend to live, right? So it means that we've got quite an undefined problem in terms of knowing where earthquakes occur, and it's an undefined problem in an area where, um, well, where there are large populations. And, and, and we, what we've seen over, over the past few, I mean, it's, it's a relatively regular occurrence that you turn on the, the TV, you look at the news, and you'll, you'll, you'll have heard of some disaster occurring somewhere around the globe. Uh, I don't know uh, how many of you remember this one. In 2003 in Iran, bam, a uh, population of 80,000, 30,000 of which were killed in the earthquake, almost 50%. In Pakistan, 2005, 2008 in Sichuan in central China, 2010 in, in, in Haiti. And so, you know, these things uh, occur regularly. We might almost ask ourselves whether they're becoming more common. And, and actually they are, right? The earthquakes are not becoming more common. Earthquakes are occurring due to these overall plate tectonic processes 
and so they're occurring at a, 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 you know, a, 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 a constant rate. But their effects are becoming more common. If we look at this plot, this is centuries going back a thousand years uh, to, 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 to present, and the number of events. Grey is an earthquake that's killed more than 10,000 people. Red is an earthquake that's killed more than 50,000 people. And we see that for a large part of the last millennium, uh, we had um, typically uh, one every 20 years on average, right, one of these big events. But then about 1600, that suddenly rises to one every five years on average. And then in the um, uh, last century, it went up even higher. And, and, and over the last 15 years, we, we, well, we, we, we're, we're, we're on target for, for having a, a, many, many more of these destructive earthquakes. Starting in 2001 with Buj in, in, in India and the most recent one in, in, in Japan in 2011. I mean, what this is showing us is a rise in urban populations, really. We start to see the Industrial Revolution, the, 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 the increase in, 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 in urban populations, and we're seeing this uh, happening even, uh, well, at, at increasing rates over the last few decades. And so that's really brought home, if you look at this map of, 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 of earthquakes, with the size of these um, circles um, representing how destructive an earthquake has been, the colour representing the size of the earthquake, that most of the very large uh, destructive events have been within the interior of, uh, of, of, of Asia. Notice also that the colours, a lot of these things, are greens and yellows. They're not particularly large earthquakes, but they do have a very large effect in terms of, 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 uh, of uh, societal hazard. The place that I'm wanting to talk to you about is, 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 is this area. It's the Tian Shan Mountains, which uh, straddles various countries in the kind of northern part of this, uh, what we might call the India-Eurasia collision zone. This is a, a photograph taken from space. Um, you can see the Tian Shan Mountains. In Chinese, it's the, the, the heavenly or celestial mountains. This part here is Kazakhstan. This part here is Kyrgyzstan. This part here is Tajikistan and, and Uzbekistan. And... This is, a, this is a map of that same area. You can see this distinctive lake, Isilkul, looking like, a, like an eye shape, and the, and the Tian Shan Mountains around here. Now, all of these um, ornaments, these little uh, uh, kind of what we call beach balls, represent an earthquake that has occurred um, whilst we've had instruments for, for recording these things, the last 60 years or so. There's a lot of details in, 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 in that, but the take-home message from, from, from this is that they, they've occurred widely over the region, but also something that's not so apparent from this, this image is that most of those have been relatively small, right, or, or moderate earthquakes. They're not these big ones. They're not uh, knocking down cities, just a few of them within here that have been uh, what you might call destructive earthquakes. But if we go just into the recent past, we see a completely different story. This is just north of Isilkul is the city of Almaty, which is the capital, or was the capital city of Kazakhstan until 1997. If we, if we show a close-up here, it's Almaty, right, it was destroyed three times. It was destroyed in 1887 by an earthquake, in 1889 by another earthquake, and then again in 1911 by a third earthquake. Three of these things. These two, 1889 and 1911, were huge. They were magnitude eight plus earthquakes. This is about as big as they get within continental regions. This is what, uh, well, this was a mosque in Almaty following the 1911 one, I, I, I think. So widespread damage. Almaty was a relatively small town. Um, now it's a city of population 2 million. Right? Um, and most of that growth has happened over the last few decades in a time when there haven't been, you know, this is actually quite far back in time in terms of people's memories. It's outside living memory. 
Um, but what I want to do is to show you that these things actually stay in the landscape. We can actually uh, uh, look at these historic earthquakes. We can actually learn to see, okay, well, how would we have known that these earthquakes might have occurred? How would we know that this is a place where you might have hazard? Let's look at the 1911 earthquake. It actually broke, al although the damage was centered over here, the fault line is actually just a little bit south. It broke this line here. It was surveyed immediately afterwards by um, an Imperial Russian uh, survey uh, who went out to the field. They mapped it. They said, okay, well, look, there's this big line. This wasn't here before. This is the, the earthquake rupture, you know, lifted one side up relative to the other. Cows for scale. Here are some cows. It's about eight meters high, right? This is kind of the size you'd expect for an earthquake of magnitude eight. The more, the larger the magnitude, the more the ground moves, okay? Um, we can go to the field, we can follow those Russian reports, and we can say, yeah, okay, it's still here, 100 years later, still looks very fresh. We can use satellite imagery. This is straight off Google Earth, and, and we can actually see it in satellite imagery. So this is it, the line in sunlight running all the way along there. The photo location that I'm showing is here. It's a landslide that also occurred in the earthquake, and you can see it behind. The idea is that we can take satellite images like this, we can look over wide areas, and we can see earthquakes the effects of earthquakes that occurred in the historic past and even the prehistoric past. So that was the 1911 one. We don't really know anything about the 1889 one. There was no equivalent survey afterwards. But if we start surveying, looking at satellite imagery, um, we can find things that look as though they might be it. So let's look around the area of the 1889 earthquake. Here's a satellite image. Hey, and look, there's this kind of line running straight across the image, which isn't a road, it, uh, it's tracking all the way across the hills, the valleys, and just motoring along. So this is a place that we might be interested in going to. It might actually be the source of this 1889 earthquake. And if we go out into the field, we actually see that, yeah, probably it is. I mean, there's this uh, very clear line running through the landscape. You see it continues, and eventually it goes over those hills there. Um, it's a nice step. It seems to have uh, lifted up this side and, and, and dropped that side down a little bit. Another view of it, so it runs along through this valley. Here's a person for scale, one of my PhD students. And, um, and, and, and there's a small stream here that's gone down. Um, it's been blocked by the uplift of, 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 of this fault in the earthquake. So, so this part of the river is now abandoned, right? It's completely changed. These earthquakes do affect the landscape, and they leave behind these, uh, these traces that we can use to, to investigate them. And then this is a third shot again, you know, so this is the, 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 the fault line running along here. It's lifted this side up, it's dropped that side down, and again it looks as though it blocked a river and has actually formed a pond. It's dry at the moment, but the, the vans are parked on it because it's nice and flat. What we wanted to do, we went across and, 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 and we want to actually see this in, in cross-section, so we have to dig through it. And that's what we find, right? So this is a, 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 like a quite deep hole cut through this section. This side has all been pushed up. Then there was uh, ponding, it blocked the river, and it, it's made a pond of sediments. We can find material for, for, for dating before and after using radiocarbon. I believe there's an exhibition on, on, on radiocarbon uh, dating uh, uh, in, in, in the expo today. And what we find is that, that some of these, these sediments here are about 6,000 years old, and they've only experienced one earthquake, right? This was a very large earthquake, but it's the only one that's happened here in at least 6,000 years. So... It's telling you something about earthquake behavior. Right? This fault here, it's obviously very dangerous, but it makes earthquakes very, very rarely. What it's telling you, uh, and we can do this with, with this study and also others around Kazakhstan, is that you've got many faults. Each one maybe only makes an earthquake every 10,000 years, but you've got to know that each of those things are there. You've got to use the landscape, 
in order to try and understand where future hazard might lie. We're getting, we, we need to make detailed measurements of these. What we've been trying to do is using this kind of helium balloon setup with, with a digital camera on the bottom, dragging it along the fault scarp. We're really trying to figure out what has happened exactly in this earthquake using its remnants left in the landscape. We're also trying to search for those ghosts of even older earthquakes. Can we actually find the previous one? Can we date it? Can we start to go even further back into, into prehistory? Using those surveys, you can make beautiful um, um, representations of the land surface. This is a 3D model of that fault scarp. These are all the photo locations from the helium balloon. And this is a kind of centimetre level 3D representation of the land surface uh, using a technique called structure from motion. You can actually, all the software is kind of freeware. If you want to make 3D models of anything, you can do it with a cheap digital camera and, uh, and, and, and the software loaded onto your laptop. But again, these kind of surveys, you know, we're interrogating and, and, and trying to figure out um, exactly what happened in the earthquake and, and also to go uh, further back in time. What, what can we look for? And as an example of that, I'm just going to finish off uh, with, with in one minute of uh, looking even further back in time. We can say, look, these are historic events. We can understand them. We can say, okay, yeah, I know what to look for, uh, you know, to, that would tell me that that earthquake may have, occur may have occurred in future. But we can go further back in time, and this is this red line here, which we've called Lepsi. The ones I was showing you, the 1889 one, is this red line here, which I've called Chile. And when we go to this Lepsi area, and this is again recognised from satellite imagery, we go into the field and we confirm, we found an earthquake rupture which is about 150 kilometres long, runs along those red lines there. Uh, this is what it looks like in the field, right? It's just this continuous line running right along the landscape. It's incredibly fresh. Incredibly spectacular. Um, and, yeah, it looks as though it's a single earthquake. looked as though it had a slip of about 10 metres. Remember, that last one, 8 metres, that was a magnitude 8 earthquake. Again, this is one of these very large things here. We actually think, uh, we, we, we've done some dating of this work, again, by, by uh, excavation and dating. And we think this earthquake is between three and 400 years old. There's a very... Um, uh, sparse historical record in this area, but there is some reference to an earthquake in 1716 which caused widespread damage in this area which is called Jungaria. So we think that this may be that earthquake. And it's important because this wasn't even there, this is not recognised before, and yet it, it tells us that, you know, immediately, uh, you know, that the, 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 these um, sequence of events in 1889 and 1911 are not so unusual in the scheme of things. And just to show you this, you know, it's how well preserved. Here's some people for scale. This is the fault scarp. You can measure it at 10 metres. You can restore it. So that's what the land would have looked like before. This is what the land looked like afterwards, right? So our challenge is to try and be able to spot these things, right, for where the next earthquake will be and where, where, where or, or, or where the, ex the next earthquake may potentially be. Many sources. Okay. So thank you very much for your attention. Just to remind you, this, we go into the field a lot. We often rely on these kind of large teams, uh, international members, so Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, France, Germany and the UK. Thank you very much for your attention. <laughs>